0: To fight this legalistic false gospel, Paul had to first, in chapter 1, defend that there is only one gospel. In chapter 1 and 2, reassert his calling and authority as an apostle of God. And in chapter 2, oppose the apostle Peter, who in fear of these Jews did not treat fellow non-Jewish Christians as brothers. And at the end of chapter 2, Paul begins his argument that we are justified by faith In Jesus Christ and not by works of the law. In today's passage, Paul is talking to the Galatians about the legalistic direction they've bought into. Uh, Perk Parsons, general editor of the Christian Table Talk magazine, talks about what legalism isn't. I think it's really insightful. Legalism is not obedience to God and His law, legalism is not. Learning to obey all that Christ has commanded us. Legalism is not pursuing holiness. Legalism is not striving to please God and glorify Him in all that we do. Legalism is not being zealous in our good works and bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. Legalism is not an error of Christianity, it's another religion altogether. Mr. Parsons, pointing out that legalism isn't Christianity, but another religion, is important for us to understand. And for a Christian to be a legalist is an oxymoron. It's trying to live out two lives at the same time, or two religions, one by undeserved grace, one by our own work. It's double living. And Paul will be rebuking and instructing the Galatians, and us, about this inconsistency. This double living. Now if you're a Christian, let me ask you a question. Is legalism or double living a problem in your life? For instance, saying we're saved by Jesus alone. That we're being made more like him by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then we go, turn around, and tell a spiritual story about ourselves. That ends up making us the hero of our of this story, and Jesus just a lucky guy that gets to be our friend. But you won't go to God in a, uh, while at the same time you're struggling with addictions and anger and gossip. But you won't go to God in humble repentance. You won't make yourself accountable to a trustworthy brother or sister, all because it makes you look bad. If you find legalism in your life or the lives of others, you can know that all you're seeing is the blooming flower of pride showing its face. We say I'm a sinner, but not a bad one. Look at all the other sinners who are worse than me. I know I've been guilty of this in my own life. Paul will be addressing this subject in today's passage. If you have your Bibles today, please open God's word to Galatians 3, and we'll mainly be in verses 1 through 9 this morning. Those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. It's all right, I just want to like to pray over that passage right now. God, the Bible that you've given us is your self-disclosure made available for us. You have shared who you are with us, God. That's Paul speaking, but that's you speaking through Paul. It is equally your word, God. I ask that we accept it and come under the authority of it and praise it and let it change our lives, God. In Your Son's name, His people said, "Amen." Amen. This, passage, this passage can rightly be divided into two parts: <coughs> rebuke and an and instruction. We start in verses 1 through 6 with the rebuke. Addressing double living. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is what we see in verse 1. Paul is angry. It's a serious issue that the Galatians are living a double life. He's invested into these people, and they've left that relationship for a lie. And Christ was preached clearly to them, like he was right in front of them, crucified on the cross. And the Greek is very expressive of this. There is no clearer way for them to have Christ preached to them. The Galatians have been enticed and are under a spell. Back in chapter 2, verse 16, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Jesus and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. The Galatians knew this, being taught by Paul. There is no excuse. They were acting so inconsistent with the gospel living that there was no other way for Paul to describe them but under a spell, then in verse 2, let me ask you only this Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or hearing with faith? Paul asks them if they received the Spirit by works of the law or hearing of, of, with faith, asking them if the Spirit they received was a result of works or with faith. Paul doesn't even waste a breath answering that question. Instead, he moves on to the next one Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? In verse 3, as if to say, no duh. no duh, of course you receive the Spirit by hearing with faith. Now for us, we know the answer to this question that Paul gave the church in Ephesus when he said, in Ephesians 1.13, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed with faith, him, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Galatians already knew this. But their lives weren't showing it. Their practice wasn't showing it. So he asks them, Having started the Christian life in the Spirit, are you going to live out this Christian life by your own sweat, spit, and determination? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Paul looks back at all they went through with him and all they experienced with God. In verse 5, does he who supply the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? They experience the apostolic miracles. Paul keeps asking them the same question over and over, by works of the law or by hearing with faith. But then there's Abraham in verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, Abraham is introduced as counted righteous by faith. And after going through the first six verses, you feel Paul's anger and sarcasm just bursting at the seams, because when the Galatians started believing that to be made right with God meant Jesus plus something I do, was stealing the glory and right of salvation away from Christ. It was them spitting in the face of the Savior, the Savior who died for them. They forfeited their freedom for bondage, truth for a lie. Now Paul moves from rebuke to instruction. And then in verse 6, Paul has them look to Abraham, the hands-down most respected figure among the nation of Israel, the father of the Jewish people, the same person that you, the Judaizers, the legalists, were saying was their father, the man justified by his works, his, the circumc- circumcision of the flesh, making myself part of God's people by what I do. And that is why God uses Abraham as the great example in Genesis 15, because of his faith. Disma- because of his faith, this dismantles the argument of works gaining us a right standing before God. Now this is the instruction, faith-based Christianity. What we do, or what do we need to know? As Paul would say, in verse seven, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham not of works of the law Paul is making a clear distinction that faith, is, faith makes us unified not works through this the Gentiles are not second rate or less than the Jews because of ethnic background or works of the law but by faith in Jesus' work alone they are children of faith of Abraham God's chosen people And the scripture, in verse verse 8, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In verse 8 and 9, we learn that through Abraham, the gospel was preached. That we take hold of the blessing of justification, the same way Abraham did. Faith looks at nothing but the mercy of God and a dead and risen Christ. John Calvin. Before I close, um, actually, I'm doing something a little different here, but you don't have to turn with me, but I'm going to go to verse uh, or chapter 18 of Luke verse nine. And if you'd like, just close your eyes and hear, hear this example that Jesus brings of the man who thinks he's justified by his own works, his own goodness. And then the stance that all of us should take when we look at God's holiness, the way his beauty. We've been singing about the beauty of your holiness. Verse 9. He also, to, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous, and treated others with it, with contempt, the two men went into the temple, for us the church, to pray. One a Pharisee, and if you are a Pharisee back in Jesus' time, you were the super, you are the super saint. You were the most religious of the religious. You're the person that, of any people, could trust in his own works to save him one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector someone who had sold out to Caesar the enemy of the Jewish people the Romans someone who would would make gains off of the money he stole from the Jews so this is basically the most holy person and the the biggest scumbag the person that everyone hates and both of them go to the temple and went into the temple to pray one a Pharisee the other a tax collector The Pharisee, standing by himself, prays, praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Does this sound familiar? I know all of us talk about how we're saved by the grace of God and that, that we're sinners. But do you ever find yourself walking through a store and you see a gay and lesbian couple walk by her. And, and you just go, wow, how, how gross. <laughs> how sinful are they? And at that moment, we hold, we hold that that is sin. But at that moment, you're taking pride in a position that was given to you by grace. I thank God for God I thank you that I'm not like other men extortioners unjust adulterers even like this tax collector I fast twice a week I give tithes of all that I get but the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift his eyes to heaven but beat his chest saying God be merciful to me a sinner I tell you, Jesus tells us this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be justified. These are the questions this this text demands of us. Both texts, really. Are we working for God's love and denying Jesus and His Spirit? Or are we resting in Jesus' work on the cross and working through love by His Spirit? Let's pray. Dear God, what a gift it is that we get to be called your people. We weren't born with a right. We were the outsiders. We were the outcasts. We were the orphans, God. But through something that was not of ourselves, you gave us family. You gave us life. You gave us redemption in your own Son, God. The Galatians ignored what Jesus had done for them on the cross. God, I ask that not be our story. That we understand that the nails that were driven into Christ's hand were our own sin. The punishment that he took was for something that we had done. And he gave us a right standing before God. God, it's so important that we don't miss Jesus, that we don't take our eyes off of his work, God, but that we fall humbly to the ground and say, I'm a sinner. Without any right, God, all I have is my sin. But God, thank you so much for your son. Thank you for your spirit that will keep us until the day of our glorification, where we finally get to, where we finally get to be in your presence, God. God, I ask that that's our that's our story, and that no one who comes to the church all their life can leave saying Christianity is about being good people, God. Christianity is about being sinners made right by nothing but by, by your mercy and your beautiful grace, by your beautiful Son, God. I ask that our eyes will always be on Jesus and never ourselves. Thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for blessing me with your word. and Thank you for blessing everyone else with it. I ask that this bind us and this direct our steps. In your holy name, amen.